podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Across the Pond MLB Podcast. The Yankees and Braves all increased their winning streak to nine in a row. Shohei Otani becomes the first player to 40 ding-dongs. And Miguel Cabrera adds yet another accolade to his Hall of Fame career. Don't go anywhere. Across the Pond MLB Podcast, part of the Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to check us out on social media and on our website, atpsports.net. Now over to your host of Across the Pond MLB Podcast, Tyler Small. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Across the Pond's MLB Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Small, and... Once again, as the weeks continue to go on, the summer begins to end here in the United States. We're just about through the dog days of August, and there is still a lot to be figured out when it comes to this playoff picture. According to this on August 23rd, the Monday of the week, as always, want to thank Joe for taking over for me last week. Had a little bit of stuff come up in my life, but I'm able to hop back in front of the mics and go through it. So we are going to go through it the same way we always do here on ATP MLB Podcast. We're going to start with Around the Diamond. For anyone that doesn't know, 30 seconds on the clock for all 30 teams in Major League Baseball, what they did in the past seven calendar days. So let's get right into it. We start in the NL East with the Atlanta Braves sweeping the Marlins and Orioles. Leading the way was 2020 MVP Freddie Freeman, who hit 400 over the span with a 1.221 OPS thanks to three doubles, a triple, two homers, and five ribbies. Travis Darno coming back for them at 364 batting average alongside Austin Riley, two doubles and two homers for a 345 batting average, and Jorge Soler, 308 with two doubles and two homers as well. And Adam Duvall picked up seven RBIs. Look at the pitching staff. Tuki Toussaint had 11 and two-thirds innings pitched of three earned runs over two starts. Max Freed, nine innings pitched shutout. He threw a Maddox in his start against the Orioles. And Charlie Morton, six innings pitched two earned runs for the unit. In second place now, as there seems to be a shift pretty much every week in the NL East, the Philadelphia Phillies now fall to here. Reese Hoskins came back and in his first game hit two dingers and a huge win against the Padres as they got swept by the Diamondbacks and then took two of three from the Padres to kind of balance it out, but getting swept by the Diamondbacks always hurts. Odubel Herrera hit 538 over the span in five games with three homers, a double, and a triple. Luke Williams, a 429 batting average. Brad Miller, 273 with a couple of doubles. And the pitching staff was decent at best, to say the least. Connor Brogdon comes back. That's a huge addition to their bullpen, but he only gets two appearances scoreless. But for the starting staff, there's not much to talk about besides Aaron Nola, who had his heart ripped out in his start. Eight and two-thirds, he finishes with two earned runs and one unearned run. He had a perfect game going into the seventh. Turns out into a losing decision. It was a tough loss for them. We go to the New York Mets in third place. They took one of three in a four-game set against the Dodgers and one of two in a three-game set from the Giants. Pete Alonso hit 333 over the span with a triple and three homers for eight RBIs. J.D. Davis 333 as well alongside Brandon Nimmo who also hit above 300. J.D. Davis had six RBIs compared to Brandon Nimmo's two extra base hits. From the pitching staff, however, we see 
Rich Hill continuing to put it together a little bit. Eight and two-thirds innings pitched over two starts, five earned runs. And Tanner Meagle had a pretty decent start going one earned run over six innings pitched. And this is just a team that we'll talk about the Mets in a little bit in the middle of their gauntlet of a West Coast trip. They're just looking to survive. We then go now to the Nationals who are in fourth place. They take one of three from the Brewers and a two-game sweep of the Toronto Blue Jays. So that's something to look forward to, I guess, as a fan. Lane Thomas is 6.36 batting average in five games with a double. Adams in four games hit 500 with three doubles. Juan Soto continues to swing at such an elite level. 6.25 on base percentage for a 3.57 average. That just shows how otherworldly he is. He picked up nine walks that led the entire league over the past week. And then we go to the pitching side of things. Patrick Corbin's trying to come back to the pitcher he once was, perhaps. One start, six and a third, one earned run, only three hits allowed. Espino, four and a third, gave up three earned. And then Finnegan, two relief appearances, scoreless. Then we finish it out with the Marlins. De La Cruz hit 333 in six games with a double and a homer. Diaz, 316 over the span as well, double homer himself with an RBI. And then Jazz Chisholm, a 263 batting average, but he picked up two ding-dongs and six ribbies. Stanny Alcantara, three earned runs and 15 innings pitched over two starts, except he got both losing efforts, which don't know if anyone cares about that. Jesus Cesardo still trying to come into form there. He gets a four earned over three innings pitched. And Zane Thompson, two earned runs and five innings pitched for the starting staff. Start off with the Brewers. There's no switching going on there. They continue to be a World Series threat. They take two of three from the Nationals, following it up with two of three from the Cardinals. So that was a big series against a team that has been surging a little bit. So for this Brewers team, Colton Wong led the way with a 429 batting average. Two doubles, a triple, a homer, seven ribeye staked. Christian Yelich potentially coming back to form. A double, two homers, eight RBIs with a 360 batting average. Garcia, 421 batting clip with two doubles and three homers for three ribbies. Pena and Burns as well, who gets a 333 batting average over the week, as Urias, a 286 batting average with a 698 OPS. And then the pitching staff, who is just as good as always, Corbin Burns, alongside picking up that base, knocks six innings, pitched two hits, zero earned runs, followed by Hauser, who goes three and a third without an earned run. And then even Peralta and Woodruff in their rough start, they only gave up three earned runs apiece over six innings pitch. They continue to be a force. We go to the Reds, however, they take over the Padres for the second wild card spot. That's gonna be something that we talk about in a little bit. And once again, it comes thanks to impressive, impressive hitting. Tyler Naquin, a 500 batting average with three doubles, a triple, four home runs for five ribbies. Nick Castellanos, a 370 batting average with a double or two homers and seven RBIs. Joey Votto continues to mash two homers, a double, six ribbies. Tyler Stevenson, a 273 batting average. Kyle Farmer, 261. And Tucker Barnhart, alongside Jonathan India, batting above a 250 clip as well. Pitching staff just did enough to get the job done when you have that much offense coming from behind you. It's pretty dang easy. Gutierrez in two starts, 13 and a third innings pitched, three earned runs combined. That's pretty solid. Sonny Gray goes seven innings pitched, shut out, one of his best performances of the season. And then in the back end of the bullpen, two for two in saves, Michael Lorenzen, who is somebody that was getting a lot of hype at the beginning for his athleticism, but might be coming around as a good closer. Then we go to the Cardinals, one of three from the Pirates, and then one of three from the Brewers. So... 
from worst to first, they get the same results. Paul Goldschmidt, a 423 batting average, five doubles, a homer, three RBIs. Adam Dean in four games hit 333 alongside Loon Nootbar, excuse me, 318 batting average, best name in baseball, a double and a homer in two ribbies. Tyler O'Neill, 318 clip as well. He picked up five RBIs, however. Yadier Molina, a 316 batting average, and Tommy Edmond, 308 batting clip. For the pitching staff, just doing it time and time again, Adam Wainwright. He picked up a shutout in his last start, but over his two combined starts, 14 innings pitched, two earned runs. Jack Flaherty coming back to form after spending some time on the IL. He goes six innings pitched, allowing two earned runs. And a similar stat line from Jay Happ, who continues to do some pretty well stuff after getting demolished down there in Minnesota. Then we go to the Cubs. They get swept by the Royals, but they take two of three from the Reds. Ian Happ led the way in seven games. He hit 500 over the span with four doubles, two homers, five RBIs. Frank Swindle, a 346 batting average, three doubles. Matt Duffy, a 304 batting average, a double, two RBIs. Patrick Wisdom, a 208 batting average. When we look to the pitching staff, Kyle Hendricks, five earned runs over 13 innings pitch. Zach Davies had a four earned spot on six innings pitch, and those were the two pitching performances that proved to be the best for this Cubs team. And here picks up his first save of the season, gets three appearances out of the bullpen. And then finishing it up with the Pirates, they take two of three from the Cardinals, but they get swept by the Dodgers. Yoshi Susugo getting some time over there now. He hit 333. He's the only player on this roster over the week who hit over 330, or excuse me, 300. He had two doubles, three homers, and four RBIs. Stallings had a 278 batting average as well, which gave him a 638 OPS because he had a couple of homers with it. Colin Moran, 273 with a double and two RBIs. And Ben Gamble, 238 batting average with a double and two triples. Steven Brault for this team, he had a good couple of starts. He goes nine and two-thirds innings pitched, allowing just one earned run over those two spans. And then besides that, Keller went five innings pitched, shut out the rest of them, allowed six earned runs or more in starts and appearances. There was only one other scoreless appearance, and that was from Bednar. And then we'll finish up the National League with the NL West. And once again, we're going to lead this off with the first place San Francisco Giants. They're the first team to 80 wins. You can just basically wrap it up. They've won the NL West, knocking on wood because I'm rooting for them because they have a three and a half lead of today the 23rd. Evan Longoria, 571 batting average in three games, so he comes back and picks up a homer. Darren Ruff, a 375 batting average with a homer and two RBIs. Alex Dickerson, a 357 clip with a double. Brandon Crawford, 333 alongside Donovan Solano, who also hit above 300, except Crawford had a double, a triple, and three RBIs. For the pitching staff, however, Kevin Gossman, Goes two starts and only allows five earned runs in 11 and two-thirds innings pitched. Ian Webb was better than him, however. 13 and a third innings pitched, three earned runs in two starts. And Anthony Discalfani only went an inning and a third before getting pulled from his start. We hope that everything is all right with him. Still waiting on news. But that would be a huge loss for this pitching staff come playoff time. Then we go to second place with the Dodgers. Trey Turner continues to just be what could questionably be the better move of the acquisition of Max Scherzer in that deal. He hits 417 over six games with three doubles and a homer. Matt Beatty went 375 batting average with a double and two RBIs. AJ Pollock a 350 batting clip with two doubles and a homer. 
Chris Taylor, 294 with a home run. And Corey Seager, two doubles. For the pitching staff, four for four in saves. Henley Jansen, alongside Blake Trinan, as we start off with the relievers in this circumstance, because Kenley Jansen, if he could figure out some of his numbers back to the 2018-2019 seasons for him, that would be huge for this staff. David Price, who's becoming a full-time around the rotation starter with a couple of injuries, he gives up five earned runs in two separate starts of nine innings pitched combined. Walker Bueller looking for his Cy Young tour. He gives up two earned runs in a seven and two-thirds inning start. And Max Scherzer gives up one earned run and five innings pitched in his start. In third place comes the Padres. As one of three from the Phillies, they go. But they also were swept by the Rockies. So a one and five week when they really need to turn it on. Jake Cronenworth led the way at 348 batting average with two doubles and two home runs for three RBIs. Will Myers a 333 batting average with a double and two homers. They welcome Fernando Tatis back. He hits 136 over the span, except he had two homers and one double all in his first game back. He is going to the outfield. Manny Machado hit 200, but he picked up a homer and picked up six RBIs in the same time. Jake Arrieta made his debut after getting signed as a free agent. He does not do well. Five earned runs and three and a third. There's got to be a better arm coming out of Triple A at least. Joe Musgrove goes six innings pitch, allowing one earned run for a solid start. Blake Snell allows three earned over five innings pitched. And Stammen, in two separate games, one as an opener, the other one as a reliever, goes scoreless over five innings pitch combined. Then we go to the Colorado Rockies. They had a pretty good week, as they always do when they're home. We'll talk a little bit more about that. They go two of three from the Diamondbacks and sweep the Padres which is just huge as to be a huge fan of the Reds. you got to be rooting for that team in Colorado. You look at the offensive stats. C.J. Crone continuing to have a heck of a stretch. He's been on this list the past couple of weeks. A 480 batting average, four doubles, two homers, eight RBIs. Charlie Blackman, a 375 batting average with a double and two homers, eight RBIs himself. Hampson, a 375 batting club with two homers. Connor Joe in seven games goes 333 alongside Diego Nunez with 313 and Diaz with 313 batting average as well. And we go for the pitching staff trying to do it in the Rocky Mountain State. 13 innings pitched, three earned runs is Sensatella, who goes for a 2.08 ERA over the span. Kyle Freeland, two earned runs in seven innings pitched, and Gomber, one of the Biggest trade pieces as of now. We'll see what happens with L.U. or Montero in the minor league system. But he had a pretty good start. Five innings pitched, three earned runs. Then we finish it up in the NL with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They, in their games, I should say, took one of three from the Rockies. But they swept the Philadelphia Phillies as that was just playing a little bit of spoiler as well. Similar to the Rockies beating up on the Padres. Varsho for the team hit two doubles, one triple, three home runs, six RBIs for a 412 batting average in five games. Cattell Marte, a 391 batting clip, three doubles and a homer for four RBIs. Holiday and Widener both hit 333 in three games combined. Van Meter, a 308 batting average, alongside Christian Walker, who hit 308 over the clip as well. Madison Bumgarner had the best start of anyone there. Against the Phillies, gave up one run and three hits in eight innings pitched. Widener had a good couple of starts, though. He went two combined starts, so 10 innings pitched between the two. Two earned runs. And Zach Gallen starting to turn his season around 
after being one of the most exciting pieces for this team and kind of not living up to expectations. He goes seven innings pitched, zero earned runs on three hits. You've been listening to Across the Pond MLB Podcast. Please follow, rate, and review our podcast and check out atpsports.net to see the guests we have coming up and keep checking back to listen to our latest episodes. So now let's go to the American League and we are going to start with the Tampa Bay Rays once again. Everyone wants to talk about the Yankees and their hot streak, including myself, a huge Yankees fan, but the Rays remain on top. They go two of three from the White Sox and then sweep the Orioles, just quietly playing some great baseball. And it's because of Wander Franco, once again, a 417 batting average. He's got a 24-game on-base streak. That's the best stretch of anyone in their rookie season. And he's just barely getting started. He's going to be a can't-miss prospect. He had four doubles, five ribbies. G-Man Choi, a 400 batting average over this one double, one homer, five RBIs. Brandon Lowe. A 346 batting average, four doubles, three home runs, nine RBIs. Austin Meadows, 318, 11 ribbies. Emmanuel Margot, 313 batting average. Randy Rosarena and Brett Phillips, 300 over the span. Francisco Mejia, 294. We go to the pitching staff. Chris Archer makes his return. He goes two innings pitch, no earned runs. Two games and one start for Colin McHugh as he goes three and two-thirds scoreless. And just piecing it all together, the longest appearance by anyone was Luis Patino, another big prospect for them. Six innings pitched, only allowing two earned runs. Then we go to the Yankees. They go on a 10-game winning streak, including a game against the Braves that I am considering that they won. Sorry if I just jinxed it right there. Swept the Twins and swept the Red Sox two huge series for them and it was thanks to Luke Voigt. They bring in Anthony Rizzo to potentially mess up the last year 2020 home run champ. Instead he comes back, plays alongside him a 476 batting average, three doubles, two home runs, 11 RBIs. Tyler Wade starting to show that he's the prospect that he once was you know, recruited as 455 batting average, one double, one RBI, just slapping the ball around. Giancarlo Stanton, a 375 batting average, two doubles, three home runs, eight RBIs. Velasquez, the kid from the Bronx, 292 batting average, double, triple, homer, six RBIs. And Gary Sanchez, 267 batting average, two doubles, two RBIs. Garrett Cole coming back, and he has two phenomenal starts. 11 and two-thirds innings pitched, one earned run, seven hits over the span, giving him a .77 ERA in seven days. Jordan Montgomery giving up four earned runs in two starts, nine and two-thirds innings pitched combined. Nestor Cortez Jr. continues to do it. He brought it into the seventh inning with a scoreless shutout in his start. He winds up giving two earned runs against the Twins in that last inning, but he continues to shove for this team in meaningful innings. Then we go to the Red Sox. They come back on after being on a pretty rough stretch, I should say. And now they go two of three from the Rangers after being swept by the Yankees. Kyle Schwarber coming for them, a 385 batting average, leading the way with a double and five walks compared to five strikeouts. Christian Vasquez, a 308 batting average with a double and a homer. Jared Duran, a 286 batting average with a double. Hunter Renfro, two home runs. The rest of the team batting below 250, including the big hitters. Nathan Avaldi continues to shove two earned runs in two starts, 12 innings pitched combined. Tanner Hook, Huck, excuse me, he goes four innings pitched, two earned runs. He's probably going to be rookie of the year. I can't believe I messed up his name. I'm sorry. And then the main storyline for this pitching staff, Chris Sale returns 
He goes five innings pitched scoreless against the Rangers. Or excuse me, against the Orioles in his first start. And then he goes with this one, five innings pitched, five hits, zero earned runs. He looks like the Chris Sale that left us before. Then we go to the Blue Jays, one of three from the Tigers, and got swept in two games by the Nationals. Alejandro Kirk, a 375 batting average, one double, two RBIs. Get ready to watch him hit for a while, folks. He's going to be a good catching prospect. Reese McGuire, 364 batting average, two doubles, one RBI. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., 353 batting average with a double. This team only had seven home runs hit. Three of them came from Marcus Simeon. So he had 222 over the span. Half of his hits were homers. Vladimir Guerrero, 270, 217 batting average, I should say, with a homer, two RBIs. And Bo Bichette, 359. With, um, Espinal, excuse me, 308 batting average. For the pitching staff, Alec Manoa got two starts. He got roughed up a little bit. Jose Barrios, two earned runs over five innings pitched in his start. And then Mats and Ray both give up one earned run each. Ray going eight innings pitched compared to Mats six. And then seven innings pitched shutout, Hinjin Ryu. So this pitching staff continues to put it together, even though this is supposed to be the worst part of this Blue Jays team, essentially. And then we finish it up with the Orioles. The Orioles were swept by the Braves and swept by the Rays. 0-6 over the span. Not thanks to Mateo. He hit 4-0-9 in seven games with two doubles and one walk. Trey Mancini at 316 batting average. He continues to hit with three doubles and an RBI. Urias at 269 batting average, three ribbies. And Ryan Mountcastle at 227 batting average with a double and two home runs. And for the pitching staff, Matt Harvey getting two starts. It's roughed up a little bit. We look at Kirk Akeen, who gives up three earned runs in his five innings pitch. Lopez gets roughed up as well, but giving up four earned runs over three innings pitched, and Harvey's nine earned runs over ten innings pitched were actually statistically the best two starts from the staff. Now let's go to the Central, where this is still the White Sox and four other teams that play Major League Baseball. It's kind of doing a service to the Indians who play some good ball and the Tigers. But let's go to the White Sox at the top. Luis Robert led the way offensively as they took one of three from the Rays and then three of four from the Athletics. So kind of helping out that win percentage that has been a little bit suspect against teams above 500. Luis Robert, as I mentioned, 375 batting average, one double, one home run, four RBIs for 13 total bases. Tim Anderson, a 368 batting average with three homers. Excuse me, three RBIs, one homer. Yohan Moncada, 357 batting average, two doubles, one home run, two RBIs. Bednick, one double over the span with a 313 batting average. And Zach Collins, a 300 batting average with three walks compared to one strikeout. Look, look at the pitching staff now. Lance Lynn continues to shove. Two earned runs over his two starts, 11 innings pitched combined. Dylan Cease throws three earned runs in six innings pitched. Lucas Giolito, two earned runs, seven innings pitched. And Bummer, one for one in save opportunities. They only needed one save to solidify the win. Then we go to the Indians. They get swept by the Angels and then take one of three from the Minnesota Twins. Rosario hit 481 over the span with three doubles, two homers, five RBIs. Johnson, a 444 batting average with two ribbies on one homer. Miles Straw, the trade piece, 308 batting average, four doubles, three RBIs. And Jose Ramirez, a 296 batting average, three doubles, three home runs, seven ribeyes. Looking at the pitching staff, Tristan McKenzie continues to have his resurgence second half of his season. Seven innings pitched, one earned run on just two hits. 
Cal Quantrill, 12 innings pitched, three earned runs over the span, including seven innings pitched, one earned run against the Angels in the Little League Classic. Morgan goes six innings pitched, scoreless in his start. Zach Plesak goes four and two-thirds, one earned run. Then we look at the Detroit Tigers next. Two of three from the Blue Jays, but then they get swept by the Angels because the Angels always beat teams that they're better than and lose to teams that they are worse than. Griner goes 375 batting average over the span, one double and two walks. Reyes a 357 batting average, a double as well. Not a lot of power from the team so far. Graniel, Hill, and Scope all hit above 300 and have two combined extra base hits alongside them. Scope did have four ribbies and of course the leading story as i opened with and we'll talk more about it soon miguel cabrera one of three players on this team with a homer this week his was a little bit more meaningful as it was number 500 for the team look at the pitching staff really quick though the tyler alexander seven innings pitched in his start and he only gives up one and run on four hits trying to put him back in the starting rotation potentially casey mize number one pick watch he gives up two and runs in just four innings pitched Tariq Skubal goes two innings, or excuse me, six and two-thirds innings pitched with two earned runs. Now we go to the Royals to get swept by the Cubs and then take two of three from the Houston Astros. And they could thank Andrew Benintendi and Nicky Lopez for that. They both hit above 400. Andrew Benintendi, four doubles, one home run, four RBIs. Nicky Lopez, two extra base hits, four ribbies as well. With Merrifield, five ribbies on a double and a triple. And 14 hits for a 378 batting average. Rivera 364. And Alberto Gallagher also hits above 300. Rivera with three home runs over the span. And then we go to Hernandez leading the way on the pitching staff. Five earned runs over 13 innings pitched. We'll put it together because that gives him 2-0 over the stretch of two scoreless appearances. Lynch goes two starts as well. He only gives up two earned runs in 12 innings pitched. And we look at Brad Keller, who gives up one earned run in six innings pitched for the team. Then we'll finish it out with the Twins. They get swept by the Yankees and then take two of three from the Indians. Jorge Polanco, a 3.57 batting average. Two doubles, a homer, eight RBIs. Mitch Garver, a 3.33 batting clip. The rest of the team below 267. And the one at 267, making that the butter knife stat, is Miguel Sano, who goes one double, two home runs, four RBIs, three walks to zero strikeouts. Barnes got the start that would actually be statistically the best in ERA because he went seven innings pitch and gave up seven earned runs, so really ate that one on the chin as the rest of the team just gave up more runs and less innings pitched. But at least you could say something about the bullpen as leading the way in appearances for the entire league this season scoreless, or excuse me, the entire league this week is Colome, who goes four scoreless appearances. Now let's finish it up with the West, and once again, leading the way is the Houston Astros. They take one of three from the Royals and split a four-game set, a meaningful four-game set, with the Mariners. Jose Altuve leading the way once again, a 395 batting average, five doubles, a triple, and one RBI. Jones, a 368 batting average in seven games played, three doubles, one triple, one home run, six RBIs. Carlos Correa, double, triple, and a homer for four RBIs, 367. And then McCormick, Myers, Wilson, Diaz, Guriel, and Alvarez all hit above 300 over the span. But leading the way far and none was Myers with six RBIs, a homer, and two doubles. Look at Zach Granke over the span. Three earned runs and 12 innings pitched in two starts. Jake Odorizzi got two starts as well, gave up five earned runs and 12 innings pitched. 
And Framer Valdez, three and two thirds, three earned runs. So that one, two, three punch that'll be coming at you in the postseason most likely. He's putting it together so far, but they also got guys like McCullers who goes two earned runs over six innings pitched. And Garcia, who goes three earned runs in five. Now let's look at the Athletics who are right behind. They had a tough week of baseball. They only take two wins in three games against the Giants and then four games against the White Sox. It's a little bit of confidence for themselves as well. Leading the way offensively was Starling Marte, a 300 batting average with four doubles and three RBIs. And then the rest of the team, below 300 batting clip. Stephen Piscotti in three games hit 500, so he doesn't qualify. However, he had two hits and one walk. And then Jan Gomes starting to put it together for them. He picks up two home runs over the span as the backup catcher, both solo shots. Picking up two starts over the span is Frankie Montes, who goes three earned runs in 12 innings pitched. Chris Bassett unfortunately left the game with a very, very scary injury. Thankfully, he seems to be all right, but he only got one inning pitched. And they're saying he could come back in relief from the bullpen, but just thankfully he is in good health. That was kind of the main takeaway we had from that entire White Sox game. All the best prayers to him. We go to the Mariners, and then they split a four-game set with the Astros and then sweep the Rangers. Bowers at 455 over the span in five games with one double and two RBIs. Ty France at 393 batting clip, a double, four home runs for eight ribeyes. Toro got eight total bases on eight singles, so a 276 batting average. Corey Seager, a 241 batting average, two doubles, three homers, eight RBIs, and three homers for Mitch Haniger over the six-game set. Ty Anderson got two starts, 11 and a third innings, pitched three home runs, or three earned runs, I should say. Marcos Gonzalez, same line, 11 and a third, three earned runs. So they both had a 2.38 ERA. Flexen in one start, seven innings pitched, one earned. And Gilbert, or excuse me, Castillo, has three scoreless appearances. Now let's go to the Angels. They get swept by the Indians. Or excuse me, they sweep the Indians and get swept by the Tigers. Kurt Suzuki, a 500 batting average. Phil Gonsolin, a 333 batting clip with a homer and two RBIs. Brendan Marsh, a 292 batting clip. Juan Lagares. 250 alongside Shohei Otani, who hit home run number 40 for his only homer of the week. For the pitching staff, they've never been much to show about. His best performance comes in 10 innings pitched combined in two starts, five earned runs for Suarez. Everyone else, really not much to talk about there. And then we finish with the Rangers. They go one of three from the Red Sox and then swept by the Mariners. Ibanez in six games hit 500 over the span with four doubles, a homer, and five RBIs. Culberson, a 400 batting average with two hits in three games. Heim and Kiner Falefa, alongside Solak, both hit above 300 as well. Kiner Falefa had four extra base hits. Looking at the pitching staff for them, four scoreless appearances came from Danny Santana, and the best start for them was five innings pitched from Taylor Hearn who is starting to get into the starting rotation once again. Kind of floating between there and the bullpen. A hard-throwing lefty goes two earned runs in five innings pitched. So plenty to quickly go over from what I just threw at you pretty quick. You guys hopefully were taking notes because plenty of good baseball action came from the past week. And leading the way, obviously, you got to go by the wins and losses, of course. And going 9-0 and 
pretty good stretch over the last nine games. You could say that for two teams, one now representing the lead of the NL East in the Atlanta Braves. And then the other coming from the AL East, the New York Yankees, and they're actually going to be playing a fun two-game series. That Monday game that I am watching as I record this right now, the first time that two teams on a nine-game winning streak come on to face each other since 1901. Baseball's been played for a while. There's a lot of games each season for a lot of teams. It's crazy that that has happened not once in the past hundred years of this great game. So a fun one going on right there, and it's so fun to see because the one side, you look at this Braves team and how they were just able to piece together an outfield out of thin air after losing a top three player in baseball, depending on how you outlook their defensive metrics and their ability to swing the bat. The most exciting players in baseball, Ronald Acuna Jr., alongside others. He's starting to get healthy again, but all the acquisition they've made, Jock Peterson, Adam Duvall, and of course, the main factor for this team, Jorge Soler, over the stretch, just a makeshift put-together rental. Let's try and win while we're still here in an easier division. Just throw it out there in the outfield, now they start rolling. But then for the Yankees, on the other hand, I mean, we've talked about it. When I had Danny Dugouts on, we were in a completely different mindset, obviously. And it's not just because the team got healthy. They've honestly relatively been healthy throughout the season. It's not like the team, they obviously made those big trades, but I don't even think you can necessarily just pin it because of the Gallo-Rizzo acquisitions. They obviously helped a ton because they are two ex excellent players, don't get me wrong. But what really comes from it is with that came an entire change of personality, of appearance, of what they actually play for day in and day out. It's such a simple concept, obviously, but this Yankees team was very content with not winning every single game. They come back now and completely change their outlook on just completely being analytically driven, not stealing bases, not utilizing the best lineup and just utilizing rest over it, stressing the health of the team and I mean, it's a given, obviously. In 2019, they had more injuries than any team in a single season has ever suffered. But that being said, they kind of lost sight of the bigger picture. They come back now. They completely shift it. They have the most pitches per plate appearance in all of Major League Baseball, 4.87. They're stolen the most bags in the second half of the season. They are just doing it in a completely different way, shape, and form, and yet they're doing it at a very high level. So that is the two of the hottest teams we continue to look through. Let's look back at the NL East really quick, just bouncing around. The Phillies, for one, they make it up with a Padres series, which actually hurt the Padres because of their rough stretch, but we'll get to them in a minute. But this Phillies team, they go in, they get basically dominated. There was not a single player in that Phillies series that had a multi-hit game, or excuse me, a multi-hit in three games. For that Phillies team, Madison Bumgarner shuts them down. Zach Gallen shuts them down. This Diamondbacks team, I mean, this Phillies team, if you looked at the Jeff Passan article on ESPN+, Plus, I think everyone should go look at his stuff. He's great. He, the, he said that the Phillies had the easiest schedule for any team in the outside looking in. Those borderline teams trying to make a playoff push. Of the seven teams that are just actively trying to lose, they have zero interest in winning games right now. There are 24 games that the Phillies have coming up against teams of that nature. It started off with this three-game set against the Arizona Diamondbacks. They go into their town and get swept. That's huge. They only got 21 more to work with. But thankfully, they do make it up a little bit with this Padres series. So if you're a Phillies fan, I guess you got to take that as a positive. Maybe just flip it in your brain. <laughs> Picture as though you got swept by the Padres 
and then took two of three from the Diamondbacks. I guess you could sleep a little bit better at night. So kind of just depends how you look at that. But then the Mets, on the other hand, that's this is why the Phillies had a better percentage and still do of making the playoffs than the Mets, even though the Mets, on paper, have a better team. On statistically, pretty much have a better team because they just have a gauntlet of a schedule. They go out to the West. They play nothing but the Giants and the Dodgers, and all they got to do is survive. I mean, taking two out of seven from the two of potentially the best teams in all of baseball, let alone in the NL West, which is the NL best, you you just got to survive. If you go with a 400 winning percentage, I think you have to sign up for that any day of the week, even though this is such a gritty time and you need to win games now because the rest of the schedule, once they come back, does get a little bit easier. But talking about teams that are swinging a red-hot stick, the Cincinnati Reds sweep the Marlins in 4-1 of 3 from the Cubs. The Cubs is a series I would have liked to have back. That's one of the seven teams, as I mentioned, that is you know actively trying to lose. you got to be able to take them if you're an outside-looking-in team. But they continue to win enough games, and they take the second wild-card spot from the Padres. Right now, it would be Dodgers-Reds, which I don't think a lot of teams saw coming into it, but this team can hit it. Joey Votto's leading the way offensively. And it's just been a fun product to watch for them. And they go out to the West, obviously. The Padres get beat up a little bit. I mean, the Rockies the Rockies got a half in that Jeff Passan article. It should be the last time I mentioned it. But because this team is so such a good team at home. They, at one point, had more walk-off wins than they did wins on the road this season. They have 11, which is just unbelievable for that man. But... There's a different team at home. You almost have to put them in as a playoff caliber team because their winning percentage of 567 would put them in the playoffs if they were to just play all 162 games at home. So that's one thing, obviously. But Padres taking one of three from the Phillies who were down as they could be coming into your home field. And it was thanks to guys like Gibson who put it together a good stretch. And Reese Hoskins... Obviously had that two-homer game. Bryce Harper still continuing for his MVP-ish campaign. But definitely going to need to see more if they're going to clinch a playoff spot. Let me go to the AL really quick. The Rays, two of three from the White Sox, sweep the Orioles. I mean, this team continues to put it together. Wanda Franco is legitimately becoming a similar story to what Randy Orozarena could be, obviously. There's more eyes on him, more people know him. He's the number one prospect in all of baseball. It's tough to compare him to the phenom that hit more home runs than any rookie ever had in the history of baseball playoffs, given a lot more games he got to play. But still, record is a record. But he could just actually be a solidified force, which is just time and time again, this Rays team, they obviously get a lot of credit for their pitching. I mean, there was some crazy stat that now two winning decisions go to Shane McClanahan in Orioles Park and... That's more than any pitcher this month has done for the Orioles, and that also goes to their 19-game losing streak. But regardless, I mean, this is a pitching staff first team, but they don't get enough appreciation for their prospects and their development of significant offensive pieces. And obviously they do it by playing the splits. I mean, they get righty and lefty platoon guys. They are the reason that guys like G-Man Choi have become who they are. And Austin Meadows has kind of been able to solidify his career, even though he's not looking like the high outrated as a prospect as he was once supposed to be. But this race team just keeps putting their players in good situations, and right now putting Wander Franco in the lineup every day is as good of a situation as you can get. 
Talked about the Yankees, the Red Sox kind of trying to surge back. They take two of three from the Rangers, and this nearly became a series loss, but they get a huge walk-off granny from Danny Santana, who pretty much saved what could have been a rough road trip home back up to Boston. The White Sox, as I mentioned a little bit in the 30-second recap, they try to start bettering their win percentage against teams with an above 500 clip. However, they still sit in the 374 area for that matter. So strength of schedule kind of shows, I mean, I was talking about it earlier about teams having an easier clip just to get to the playoffs, but strength of schedule matters in every sport. If you're playing good teams, you're getting that good quality reps like this athletics team is. I mean, they only take two wins of seven, but they get to do it against the Giants, the White Sox. They have been battle-tested throughout because they're always playing the Astros who are getting it done. They always play the Mariners who are fighting for that playoff spot. The Angels are as hit or miss as a team could be. It'll just It's going to be very interesting to see because this White Sox team, if they can put it together in the playoffs, nobody would be surprised if they go and win the World Series. I think there are a lot of teams, you know, dark horse and air quotes pick. So we will see what the future holds. And then before I wrap this one up, we don't have a guest on this week, obviously, but next week... We are hoping to get something put together as some schedules kind of lessen now as the end of summer comes around. More people are willing to hop on a Zoom and talk with me. I just want to take a minute to talk about Miggy Caps, Miguel Cabrera, getting to 500. Just 28 players in the history of baseball have d- done what he has done. And, you know, he is a bat that has kind of been forgotten about as he has started to deteriorate. I mean, right now he has a 692. OPS in his 19th season, 38 years old. I mean, he's still swinging a great bat. I kind of don't like the narrative that he has just completely fallen off a cliff. He was below replacement level, obviously, at the start of the season. He still is with a negative .4 war, so he's kind of crawling it back up because that was in like the negative one or two area. But this is a guy that everyone should recognize, everyone should know, because he's going to be somebody that I tell my kids about. The triple crown season is one of the first you know, real memories I have with following the game as deep as I kind of do now. And it is just unbelievable what he has been able to do. I mean, this is a career 311 batting average, 388 on base percentage, 922 OPS guy. You don't see that ever, practically. His average over his best stretch, which is 2003 when he was a 20-year-old playing for the Florida Marlins until 2016, which is the last year that he got MVP votes, let alone all-star votes, all-star votes, MVP votes. This is his average year over this span, which is over 2,000 games long. 321 batting average, 399 OBP, 562 slugging, 961 OPS, a 155 OPS plus. His average year, his average year was 55% better than the average player over 2,000 games. He won two MVPs over the span, a boatload of silver sluggers, even more all-star games. He had MVP votes his rookie season after hitting 268, 325, 468 slash in his first year as a 20-year-old. He is just one of the best that we will ever see from this great game. Four seasons with above one OPS. I'm sorry, I could just dive into the numbers this entire rest of this monologue, but Appreciate him for who he is. I don't know who's going to be the next to get to 500. It's going to be a while until somebody does. He's not that far away from 3,000 hits. I still think that he could put together some great at-bats. He already hit number 501 already, so 
Super proud of him. Unbelievable feat for just the 28th player in Major League Baseball history to hit 500 Yabos. So that's going to do it for us this week. I thank you all for listening through to this point. Hope you can continue to support us on social media and keep tuning in to make this every week. So I'll be back next week to fill you in on another week closer to the playoff picture. Should be a fun one. Thank you so much for listening and like and subscribe. Sports Social Podcast Network.